Welcome to B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. Meet Bonnie. She's from Oklahoma. Where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. A meteorology major and loves to chase. Meet Bobby. He's from Oregon. Going green. Greenage. Saddle up. You got a boss. Oregon AMS vice president and a former TV weather producer. It's B Squared. Let's talk weather. Welcome to B-Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. Bonnie, the big story this Sunday afternoon is the landfall of Tropical Storm Henry in, you ready for it? Rhode Island. Nuts. So crazy that it's Rhode Island. Rhode freaking Island. Not Florida. Not Louisiana. Heck, not even New York State. But Rhode Island. So crazy. It's, and I feel like I read something that said this is like the first time in 30 years that that part of the country has had a landfalling tropical storm or hurricane. Yeah, in a hot minute. Craziness. So it is just, it is nuts. So data from the Air Force Reconnaissance Aircraft Doppler radar surface observations indicate that the center of Tropical Storm Henry made landfall along the coast of Rhode Island near Westerly, which is such a great name. Westerly. I wonder if they had a westerly wind. Probably not. Probably not. Well, actually, no, they wouldn't have had a directional wind anyways. Because it's the center of the storm, right? When the center moves on land, that's landfall. So technically, they'd be in the eye of the storm or the center, which I believe is usually pretty calm. Yeah, that's true. Good point. Boom. Mm. There we go. Anywho, came ashore near westerly at 12.15 p.m., Eastern Daylight Time this afternoon. Time of landfall, maximum sustained winds estimated to be 60 miles an hour. A weather flow station near Point Judith, Rhode Island, recently measured a sustained gust of 57 miles an hour. Or sorry, sustained wind of 57 and a gust of 70 miles an hour. The center of Henry passed over Block Island, Rhode Island, around 11 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. So, latest information is she came ashore, he came ashore, central pressure 989 millibars. Still pretty strong, uh, decent-sized tropical storm in terms of actual geographic size. Former hurricane. Follow the models for the most part, but I love how this thing's about to make a severe 90-degree right-hand turn. Yeah, it's just going to, like, come ashore and then be like, er, done. <laughs> yeah. Last time we saw this was, you know, we had a couple storms like this, actually. Um but the big one was the one that we had down in the Bahamas two years ago when we thought it was going to plow into Florida. Then all of a sudden it, you know, wreaked havoc over all of the islands of the Bahamas and then made a severe right-hand turn and just skirted up the coast and then out to sea. Actually, I take the back. It came, it came, made a second landfall in or over the Outer Banks and then went back out to sea. And we're talking about Dorian, right? Yeah, yep. So this, Does everybody remember watching Dorian and just, it was so slow. Yep. And you were like, please pick a direction. Like, it was, like, so grueling and, like, it just felt like time stopped because you were watching the Eye of Dorian not move. Exactly. So it's <laughs> it's very interesting to see oh. what's happening right now with Henry. Now, obviously, a tropical storm is nothing to shake a stick at. Uh, several hundreds of thousands of people are without power this afternoon. Um, we're retweeting a bunch of photos on our Twitter page at Weather Podcast. 
You can follow some of the storm stuff from there. Um, I'm trying to find it. Jim Cantoria tweeted it, but it since pulled it down, so I don't know if that's actual footage. But he was like, ooh, the center of Henry, you know, as it made landfall over Rhode Island, and it looked like it was a blue sky day. And obviously there were some high clouds there, and it was pretty gusty, but don't know if that's actually from Henry. Uh, I have now not been able to find the tweet because I did want to retweet that, but uh, there's some other great footage. Rob Marciano from ABC News has tweeted some stuff that we've retweeted and a couple storm chasers we follow. So head over to Twitter, twitter.com slash weatherpodcast, and you can follow along in real time of what everybody's seen on the East Coast. It's pretty amazing. And and Henry was a really low end cat one, right? For yes. just a minute. And then yep. it went down before it made um, landfall. But still, though, I mean, 60 mile an hour winds, that's pretty legit. Right. You know, so I want to say it topped out at 75 miles an hour as a low end cat one hurricane, which, again, the difference between a cat one hurricane and a, you know, high level tropical storm, not that much in terms of wind speed. You do get to see some significant differences, though, in storm surge and, mm-hmm. you know, pressure differential, stuff like that. So there is, you know, something to take notice about a high end tropical storm and a low cat one because you're going to see stuff happen. Now, I know there are still watches and warnings posted for most of Long Island. Um, watches and warnings are posted on the East Coast seaboard all the way up into Maine for storm surge and other <clears throat> dangerous conditions with henry coming ashore i know that there is a you know slight risk for thunderstorms so you got to watch out now for possible discrete supercells within the bands of henry as it does come ashore so there's a whole lot happening not just you know oh winds weren't that strong well and i've read things and i don't know exactly how true this is and i don't really know anything about trees but i've heard and read that the types of trees that are in that part of the country are different than they are here or in the Gulf where we're used to higher wind events with tornadoes and hurricanes and stuff. And so that is also a little bit of a problem because those trees aren't, you know, they're just not the type of trees that are built to withstand persistent 60 mile an hour winds for hours and hours. And so that's going to cause some cleanup in the aftermath of Henry. So even though it's a high end tropical storm, it's still going to get messy. Yes, it is. And again, you're totally right. The vegetation that is on the East Coast is very different from that of the South. Now, obviously, we're going to think, oh, well, everybody knows that you don't have palm trees in New Hampshire. Of course you don't. But you have a lot of oak trees. You have a lot of pine trees. These trees are somewhat strong when it comes to wind, but they're not, you're right, they're not used to the constant force of 60, 70, 80 mile an hour winds over a long duration, and that's what we're going to see here until Henry goes back out to sea. So you got to take notice. And again, I laugh. People laugh at me when I say this, but it's true. You have to remember, 90% of current subdivisions, housing complexes, neighborhoods were built before the 70s. And you know what happened during that time? We put power lines above ground. Yeah. Guess what? Trees interact with power lines that are above the ground. When branches fall, they will pull wires down. So you see a large number of power outages. You see dangerous events where transformers are arcing and sparking and 
catching fire is because of the wind has done something. Either it's ripped the wire out or a tree branch has fallen. Have you ever heard that sound of like tree branches laying on a wire? Not oh, breaking yeah. it yet, but that buzzing sound is so weird. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of the houses I used to live in before I moved here when I was over in King City, Oregon. Right, literally 100 yards from the house, we had a high-voltage transmission line that, you know, helped service the Portland area and then would send power down to California. You don't hear it unless it's snowing or raining. But as soon as it started snowing or raining, you could hear the buzzing of the lines. And it's super weird. And it, it kind is. of travels a long distance and you can oh, hear it, does. it inside of your house. And it's just weird. It's just so weird. And yep. it's kind of freaky sounding. <laughs> it is. But you got to remember, if you're hearing the buzzing inside your house, you're about to lose your power. Hmm. That should be a warning that sign. Sense. That should be a warning sign to shut everything off and unplug it. TVs, computers, appliances, if they're not on a surge protector. Because it's real easy to lose those things. So, just be careful. So, with Henry now ashore, we wait for it to make its 90-degree right-hand turn and head back out to the Atlantic, where it's not expected to affect anything but shipping channels. But, obviously, because we are in hurricane season, we look to the east to see what's coming if there is anything. And there's only one area of development it is expected over the next five days to literally do nothing. There's a 10% yeah. chance. So all is quiet right now with the exception it's of Henry. Some dust came off of Africa, yep. right? And yep. that's kind of drying it up right there for right now. That is very true. So. so. But didn't Grace get a little bit intense for a while? Yes, we did. We did see Grace get a little bit intense for a while. I don't know what category she became, but I did see that that was like the first time that area of Mexico had been impacted by a high-end hurricane right. in a long time. So that was pretty good. No one's really talked about it. Everyone's just talked about Henry. <laughs> yep. Well, let's cover Hurricane Grace real quick. Uh, where little is Grace. Little Grace. Big old Grace. <laughs> Maximum sustained winds at the last time was 120 miles an hour. Got down to a central pressure of 967. And let me see, uh, let's see here. Okay. She got to a high of 100, sorry, 125 mile an hour, and central pressure was down to 962 as she made landfall south of um, Tupon, Mexico. So, there we go. And is she gone now? She is gone. She's completely dissipated. Any damage or anything reported from uh, that area? There were some damage, but not a lot. It's a very uninhabited area, so that's good. Oh. That's good, yeah. Right. So we just got some good rain. Yes, and a lot of wind. But other than that, you know, it's all good. Well, that's really good. Well, that must be why I guess that it wasn't talked about a lot because it wasn't really impacting people or anything. So right. I don't know. Okay, let's see here. Where is our storm names? Because we will have another one here in just one second. Eastern Pacific. Do, do, do. Oh. See what happens when your computer shuts down right in the middle of taping. Never fun. <laughs> Never fun. All right. We need technology to cooperate with us. We do. We do. 
Archives. Side note, while you're looking that up, I just want everyone to know that during most of the shows when we're taping, my dog is laying on top of me. Oh. So he just really loves to be part of the whole situation, and he just wants to be in my business. So yes, he he's does. usually just laying right on top of me. <laughs> we, lo- we love Clyde. He's the often talked about, but very rarely heard third member of B-Squared, your weekly weather podcast. But he likes weather, too, and we've all seen the picture of him watching David Payne. Right. Cover the severe weather. So he's all about it. Yep. Also out running in the snow, being the official snow death, the age of your place. Yes. Yes. And usually the snow is like up to his elbows or his armpits. <laughs> Love it. All right. <laughs> well, we do have an area in the eastern Pacific that has a 90% chance of forming. When it does, this will become Tropical Storm Marty, most likely forecasted to become a hurricane. And, uh, Looking at it on satellite this morning, it's pretty impressive. So, man, the Pacific is just going ham this season. It is. It's just pumping out major hurricane after major hurricane. It feels like. Yep, Linda came. Maybe not major, but hurricane at least. Yeah, Linda was a cat three or cat four, so big deal. Uh, Did nothing as we talked about last week. Now with Marty sitting off the eastern or the western coast of Mexico. 90% 90% chance of formation through two days, 90% chance of formation through five. So Marty will be here in the not too distant future. Um, let's see here. You know what I think of when I think of Marty? What? Madagascar. That was the zebra's name. Yes. <laughs> I love it. That's all I can think is like hurricane zebra. Like, <laughs> churning in the Pacific. <laughs> I love it. So on the shores or on the shores, on the heels of Marty is another area they are watching to uh possibly uh become a tropical depression slash tropical storm. Once that happens, we will go from having Marty in the Pacific to having our friend uh where was it? I just lost my spot. Nancy? Nora. 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 Oh, that's Nora. good. Nora in the Pacific. Yeah, we don't have a Nancy. We do not have a Nancy anywhere. I can't believe that. How can we have a Linda and not a Nancy? You know, they might have already retired Nancy. Let me go look. Let me go look. I feel like I don't meet Nancys anymore. Uh, my mom's best friend's name is Nancy. Yeah, but I don't think new humans are being named Nancy. Some are. Anymore. I don't know. I think I'm going to get a girl dog and name her Nancy. Okay. <laughs> Just to keep Nancy going. You do that. <laughs> um, well, cause I feel like growing up, I knew like multiple Nancys, and now I don't. I don't know any Nancys. Right. I also want to say that the name Karen has been unofficially retired, so you will not see that coming forward. Why? Because people don't want to name their children Karen. Oh, I see. That name, not hurricane name, but like name names. Yeah, name names. Yeah. Yep, Karen kind of got ruined by social media. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not fair. It's not. But I do feel bad for all the Karens out there. But I did know a Karen one time with that haircut. 
that but can I talk to your manager haircut? So it's just like the stereotype is sad, but it exists for a reason. So here's my question. If we're going to play that game, you know, Karen <laughs> with a haircut, and she actually does get to speak to your manager, what's going to happen? Well, I mean, she's probably going to get her meal comped. Okay. <laughs> so that's probably what's going to happen because that's usually what happens when people complain to the manager. They get a discount on their meal. I want a discount on meal. I'm not going to complain about it. Well, go get you a Karen wig. Oh, boy. And, and, you know, walk up all sassy and be like, I need to speak to the manager because I didn't get enough French fries or, you know, whatever you want to complain about. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I just find it very weird, but that's just that's just me. We all talk about like, okay, she can see the manager, but I want to know what happens after she sees the manager. She gets her way. What if she doesn't? Uh, well, then she's going to storm out and throw her little weird purse over her shoulder, and you know, stomp out of there, and you know, fair enough. That's it. Fair enough. All right. <laughs> well, yeah, there we go. But we digress. That's the story of Karen. <laughs> Oh, boy. All right. So back stateside now. Bonnie, you guys had some interesting weather over the weekend. Finally got some storms in Oklahoma. Yeah. Here's the deal. It didn't storm here. But this very interesting line of storms formed. And it was moving pretty much due north for a while. And I could see the line from my house. It looked very pretty outside. Um, I was actually out last night and we were headed north we didn't get all the way to the storms but the closer we got we could actually see lightning and cloud to ground lightning it did go severe in a couple of spots as well um and then it started to get more blobby and less like a line and then it started to try to go east a little bit and then it put out this really nice like gust front outflow boundary it was huge i sent you the gif and I unfortunately was inside at the time when it came through my area, but on radar, it looked so awesome. It did not pop up any storms, unfortunately, but it still looked cool. I don't know why, but gust fronts on the radar are just, I just find it so cool looking. I do too. I, I think love it, it. Yeah, I think it's one of the most interesting things. It's outside of, you know, seeing a thunderstorm or a rain shower or something on radar. It's the closest thing that I believe that we get to see actual weather in action that's yeah. tangible and touchable and you can see when it's coming and you can guesstimate when it's going to arrive and you know what's going to happen when it gets there. It's like seeing the atmospheric dynamics like in print or yes. something, you know, because that's all it is, is air moving. And so it's just cool to be able to see that on radar in picture form to visualize it, you know, and so I just, I think that's why I find it so fascinating. And there's been multiple times where I've seen it coming and I'm watching on radar and I go outside as it comes through, or I've even driven through gust fronts before. And you can just see this wall of like dust that's coming through because of this strong gust front coming out of storms that are way off in the distance. And so it's just, I don't know. You know, just that's the weather nerd in me. <laughs> no, and I'm I'm right there with you. And the cool thing that I like about gust fronts is very rarely are they involved with precip. Mm -hmm. So you know it's air moving. You know you're going to get a gust of wind from whatever direction it's coming. But 
because of the technology we have now, being able to see a gust front on radar is relatively, in terms of weather and, you know, technology time, a relatively new thing. Yeah. So it is very fascinating. I mean, the gust front that you sent me last night, I was really impressed. I was DJing one. I was DJing a wedding on the side of Mount Hood, and I was surprised I actually got service, so that was nice to be able to chat with you. But it's, it is fantastic. I mean, I love being able to see that, and you see the air move, and because radars are so powerful, they're picking up dust, bugs, leaves, branches, stuff that's moving in the atmosphere, and you see that, and you actually get to, you know, have a visual representation of air moving, and that, to me, is just fascinating. Well, and a lot of times, not in last night's case, but in a lot of times, when storms put off those those outflow boundaries and those gust fronts, they will spark new storms, and especially if they interact with another outflow boundary right. from another storm. But it's crazy because when radar wasn't as good and didn't pick up those gust fronts and random storms would pop up, we didn't know why exactly. I mean, you know, you just had to chalk it up to, well, the ingredients are there, so this just random storm was able to form right here. But now we can see, hey, here's some gust fronts. These could also create more storms so we need to be watching these and so it just really helps learn more about the atmosphere and the dynamics and what else goes into creating storms in some scenarios so it's just you know i don't know i'm a big old geek and i like it <laughs> no I'm, I'm right there with you and again we have to look at the atmosphere like we look at liquids when you have two bodies of mass whether it be air or liquid and they're racing toward a center point eventually they're going to collide and you have to have room for that energy to go. Well, when you have two gust fronts that collide, the only way the energy is going is going to go up or down. And because it's already on the ground, it's going to go up. And when you get rising air, boom, you get storms that can form. So it is fascinating. It's a great tool that we have with the current slate of Doppler radars that we have in the U.S. and across the world. But, man, gust fronts are just they're so dynamic and they're so cool. I might have to add it to my favorite list of weather things. I know it's it's already on there like a little bit further down the list, but I need might need to bump it up. Yeah, kind of reorganize the list a little bit. Yeah. I feel you. I do. I mean, just I love my tornadoes and I love my severe thunderstorms. Snow is is A1 for me just because of how tricky it is, how perfect everything has to come together. Speaking of that, so Last week I talked about we had our Oregon AMS picnic. And we were talking about around the table after the party had kind of winded down a little bit, those of us that stayed a little bit later. We're talking about how, like, it seems like in the Pacific Northwest, we never get really true big events unless everything comes together. Uh-huh. And it's not even, like, marginal. Like, I mean, maybe in the Plains you could have a marginal severe weather outbreak or you could have a marginal thunderstorm or even a marginal supercell that maybe puts down a weak EF0 or EF1 tornado. Be like, oh man, if the conditions would have been just a little bit better, this could have been big. Here in the Northwest, it seems like, oh, well, you know, everything. It's all or nothing. Yeah, exactly. There's no in between. 100%. It's got to be perfect or it's not happening. So. Well, that's definitely a thing with snow. Like snow is so picky. And everything has to be just right from top to bottom of the atmosphere. And if one thing is off, 
one little layer of something dry or it's not cold enough by right. one degree, done, busted, nothing, no snow. Yep, 100%. So, And that's part of why I love ice storms that we get, even though they're the, they're the most destructive, costly, awful things. It's just so fascinating the way that the atmosphere and everything has to be set up to get that type of storm in the winter. To me, I just find that it's so fascinating. And so when everything lines up just right, it it's it's just super interesting to me. So I, I would put ice storms close to the top of my list. Yeah, we need to do that. We need to do a, a B-squared edition where we just go over our favorite weather things. Make a list yeah, of our top like our 15. top 10 or yep, something. Yep, top 15, top 10. I'd be, I'd be totally down for that. Yeah, in order ranked, not yes. just willy-nilly, like no. ranked. Yeah. No, we need to absolutely sit down and rank that stuff. So maybe we should do that next week. Okay, I can have a list ready. Yep, me too. I'll, we'll, uh, we'll do that. We'll put that on Twitter right now as well. So why are we doing this? While you're going over your forecast for Oklahoma City, I will type this tweet out, and we will ask our listeners what their top 15 weather things are. So, Bonnie, what do you guys have coming up in Oklahoma City? We have... Nothing. All we have is heat and humidity and heat indexes and the triple digits and heat advisories like every day. I just want August to be over. August is such, besides yesterday, August is such a useless frying pan of a month because it's just hot and gross. It's one of those where as soon as you walk out your front door, you've like walked into a sauna. You know that instant heat that you feel in a sauna like that is what it is. Right. And it's ugh. So yes, that's where we are. Upper 90s with heat indexes and triple digits for the next week. So we're almost done with August and so hopefully after that there's a good pattern change. <laughs> I, hope I know so I whine on here a lot about the heat, but it sucks. <laughs> I don't blame you. It does not sound like fun. Um, out here in the Pacific Northwest, we have actually been in a relatively cool period, which, you know, we talked about last week, temperatures would drop down into the 70s and hopefully rebound. Well, they never did rebound. So our forecast going forward is we're going to have temperatures the next couple of days, mid-70s for highs, eventually warming up into the lower 80s as we get into the middle part and end of the week. And then the weekend looks pretty good. Temperatures might warm up into the lower 90s. We will see. But uh, we actually had some rain in the Portland area yesterday. Some places picked up as much of a tenth of an inch. So a lot of places ended their their multi-month dry streak, which was great. It's just not enough to, you know, really do anything. So, but that's the way it is. Well, at least you're not burning alive. Right. Not now we're not. Maybe we'll get one more heat wave. We've already had our two for the summer. Yeah, right. Like you guys got that pretty early on, so. We did. Yeah, it's very rare to get temperatures of, well, it's rare to get temperatures to get 117 anywhere, but to do it in June, even more rare. So we really are just weather unicorns. You guys really are. Now if you could just get some snow or something. Right. But I think it snowed in Colorado the other day. It did, actually. Just, I thought that was interesting. I mean, I know way up in the mountains it happens, but it's just, you know, when you're in the middle of August and you've got, you know, humidity and 90-degree temperatures and then a few states away it's snowing, you're like, what? what is this? Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> Listen, the atmosphere is a very dynamic thing. That's why we love it. Exactly. It's why we love it. Bonnie, another great edition of B-Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. 
And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. And we will talk to you guys next week.